This is Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn practical strategies to drive consistent and predictable growth. In this episode, Pete Caputa interviews Jen Spencer, CEO of Smartbug Media, to dive into their benchmark data and see what makes them top performers. You'll also learn how they've grown through segmenting customers, offering the right services to each segment, and making sure the right team is in place to work with each client. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another episode of Metrics and Chill, Databox's podcast. I am Pete Caputa, CEO here at Databox, and today I have Jen Spencer, a longtime friend and collaborator, uh, CEO of Smartbug Media, uh, and I am very excited to dive in with, with Jen here, Smartbug Media, uh, and I go way back, actually, I think before Jen, I knew um, Ryan Malone, and Ryan Malone was literally uh, working, I think, by himself at the time. Um, he started up his own agency and uh, became an early HubSpot partner. He and I used to have long chats in the evening about how HubSpot sucked and how much we'd had to improve. And uh, and I would listen and, and help calm him down um, and keep him focused and also try to solve some of the issues he brought forward because he was a very smart dude with a lot of good advice for us. Uh, and then, so now, Jen, you took over as CEO when, was it? Uh, it was February of last year. Of last February year. But you had been with SmartBug yeah. for a few years before that. Yes. So um, so I joined the SmartBug team as VP of Sales and Marketing in August of 2017. Prior to that, I was a client of SmartBugs twice. The first time I hired SmartBug was in 2013. Yeah, end of 2013. It was when I had just bought HubSpot and I wanted help with a website on the CMS, or it was called COS then. Right. Um, and I looked it for the optimization the, system. Yeah. <laughs> Look for who is the top rated partner um, in the ecosystem and because I want the best. And that was Smartbug. And so I got a chance to reach out to Ryan. And I'm pretty sure at that point there were 10 full time employees. Um, okay. And then when what I joined again? in 27, what's that? What year ago was what year was that then? So that was like 2013. 13. Okay. Yeah, 10 employees um, and all fully remote, although I had no idea at the time as a client that they were fully remote. And then in 2017, when I joined the team, I was the 28th. And today we are a little over 200. Yeah, so 200 people. I think, I don't know if that makes you the largest HubSpot Solutions partner, but it definitely puts you up in the top few, if, if not the yeah. largest. Um, yeah. And so Ryan always had ambitions to do that. And obviously you've done a shit ton of the work to get you there. Um, so congrats on that success. Uh, I know that uh, Smartbug also just recently got on the Inc. 5000 for the, is it the sixth or the seventh time in a row or something like that? Seventh, the seventh yeah. year in a row. The seventh uh, year in a row. Yeah. Which awesome. is kind of mind blowing. <laughs> Yeah. And then um, you have to report your growth rate there. And so I think it said um, 118% uh, over th the last three years. So I think Inc. 5000 reports that. So pretty impressive growth in the last few years. Impressive growth in general over the last 10 years, but impressive growth, especially in the last few years. Um, and so, yeah, congrats and kudos. Uh, well you. done. You're welcome. Uh, there's a bunch of things that I know you've done to grow. Uh, but today I asked you to kind of zero in on one big thing that you've done uh, to grow the business. And uh, I can see in your data uh, that 
your revenue is growing quite well uh, and your marketing uh, because of years of investment is, is producing mm-hmm. uh, qualified leads for you. But you're pretty broad in who you serve, right? You have 200 employees so and you do a mm-hmm. lot of different services, things all, I think you do services on all of the HubSpot hubs, right? Like deep, yeah. you have like teams focus on that. You have a business that supports Clavio customers, Clavio, mm-hmm. I'm not sure which one the right uh, yeah. thing is. Uh, and then you have a, a, t- a company you just acquired that, that goes deep with paid ads. They're one of Google's top partners. I think you said there's mm-hmm. like 40 of the team members or so are focused in on that. So you're broad. Um, and that's hard to market a services business where you're serving a broad set of customers on multiple platforms. Uh, so walk me through a little bit how you segmented the customers. Cause you had told me before we started recording here that the big change that you've made over the last year is really think like, who are our customers? What makes them unique and, and how do we organize our team so that we can serve them best? So mm-hmm. share a little bit about that. Yeah. And I know Pete, like you're, you're always beating the drum of like, figure out what your niche is, go deep in that niche. Right. Yeah. And I know even Ryan's got, you know, has gone into little jabbings, jabs with you. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I'm LinkedIn yeah, comments. <laughs> um, always entertaining. Uh, but, uh, but I think what one of the things just to kind of set set the tone here is we we think about ourselves as like enablers of technology and helping our customers get more out of technology. And we've tiered our our technology partners. So we have two tier one partners, that's HubSpot and that's Klaviyo. And Klaviyo, like you said, came by way of an acquisition where we acquired a business that was really close to becoming a master elite partner. And and then we, we helped kind of bring them over the line. Um, but all of our customers are, they're using one of those te- two technologies. And then like we layer other technologies on, on top of that. And we aim to be the best partner. So we say to, we say to Yamini, okay, what does it take for you to walk into a board meeting or walk onto an earnings call and say Smartbug Media is the best partner, the top partner, the most trusted partner in our ecosystem. Like, what does that look like? And then we ask the same thing of of, of Clavio, right? Um, and so that's that's kind of that niche is we want to serve kind of serve end to end because we believe in the on the HubSpot side of our business, which is the core part of our business. Right. We believe that HubSpot is a complete front end solution for businesses in the SMB like and mid market space. And mm-hmm. we focused our efforts in that more that mid market space. And that came that really came from when I joined the organization in 2017, coming from the SaaS space, seeing how um, other technology platforms like Marketo were and uh, were alienized alienating, sorry, alienating the mid market and looking at where HubSpot was kind of growing and going. So, so we have that sort of niche. That being said, we've learned. All right, I'm going to interrupt you. Um, Brian and I had lots of debates about that, um, but you've pulled it off. <laughs> um, like and maybe there's a handful of agencies could say they, that might get mentioned on an earnings call, but not many. And I can say yeah. Given my knowledge of those agencies and yours, that you uh, somehow uh, have figured out how to be like the go-to partment, partner for HubSpot's larger customers, right? Uh, which yeah. has given you the ability to grow the business, and uh, and so 
you have 200 people. So a warning for everyone else, like that's a top, and there's 6,000 partners. For those 6,000 or 5,999 other household partners, that's a really tough game of king in the mountain to play. Um, and now that you've done it, like maintaining it will be a lot easier than somebody trying to disrupt. So I still don't think it's right. good advice for someone to try to be the king of the mountain in such a big market, but you've pulled it off. And I think maintaining it, obviously, uh, is, I'm sure a priority, but also, um, but also a smart move. For sure. Not that you've got I, I, I agree. It, listen, yeah. if I was going to, if I never met SmartBug, if I was just going to cr- start my own agency tomorrow, yeah. my own consultancy, I, w- I would start smaller, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, but I had the luxury of walking yeah. into an organization with like 10 plus years of like really good, strong kind of credibility and right. chops and, and skills. Yeah. So, right. so we're here. For every SmartBug that pulled off, you know, over that time period that pulled off getting into the echelon, I know at least five that that tried and and really tried and didn't. And so congrats for make, you know, being the uh, the king of the mountain, the queen of the mountain, I guess. Uh, yeah, well, um, it's a it's a work in progress, right? And so yeah. you said like, well, what like what are the things that we're doing, and like how how we do we kind of further segment or kind of refine our business? Because yeah. I think you know I've learned something I've learned over my career, regardless of industry, is you're you're more likely to choke than you are to starve on opportunities and ideas. And so mm-hmm. you got to be you got to have that that sort of area that focus. Um, and we took a really good look at what were we marketing? What were we selling? What kind of services are we providing? Is it aligned with where our tier one, number one partner HubSpot is going? What are Mm -hmm. they building? And how do we need to maybe adapt ourselves internally to best serve the customers who are jumping on board to what HubSpot is, like that HubSpot ship, right? Yeah. HubSpot's clearly a lot bigger than us, right? Um, So (laughs) follow the trend, right? Yes. and so we we we, identi- we were able to identify that we had we had three very specific like unique segments of our business. We had customers that were very new to the idea of digital marketing. Were just making investments. Maybe they were very sales led, sales focused right out of the gate, smaller, wanting to grow and get some foundations in place um, yep. and align systems. We have businesses that we call them our expansion businesses that you think of your typical series A, series B, um, VC funded, like, hey, we, we got a good thing. We got it. We're ready to throw fuel on this fire and yeah. and really start to scale. Um, and we've got aggressive goals and we want to experiment. And then we've got our enterprise customers who truly are like more like upper, like mid market, like not really like. They're HubSpot enterprise, right? not like enterprise right, enterprise. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that like uh, 500 to 2,000 employee range. Yes, exactly. Yes. Complex, sometimes antiquated systems, homegrown solutions we're integrating with HubSpot, large marketing and sales teams, like 10, you know, more than 10 people. Um, they're probably using a variety of different agencies and solutions, and they just require a lot more, like it's just a white glove, a lot more agile approach. And there, yeah. a lot of them are also private equity owned. And we've spent a lot of time really deeply understanding that space and what matters to those investors. So we're able to speak the language of our clients, but also the people who own them and are investing in them. No, it's interesting. You're the second agency just this week that told me, hey, I need like a view 
of our client's performance. Well, you didn't say this, but uh, somebody said this. I need a view mm-hmm. of our client's performance that I could share with the PE firm that referred them in. So in that mid high mid HubSpot's high mid market or the typically low mid low mid market, yeah. Um, yeah. The, there's a lot of PE activity. And you're you're actually uh, were acquired by a PE firm not too long ago, yep. right? As well. Um, yeah. And then uh, and now you're partnered with that PE firm to go and acquire other other firms. So you you know that world, I'm guessing. Very, very well. More than I more than I was anticipating. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been it's been it's been great. And we have a we have a number of I say number. We have a handful of other firms that we partner with where they've vetted us. And so mm-hmm. then they know, OK, every time they go and acquire a company, they're going to loop us in to implement HubSpot to implement digital marketing strategy to build web assets, whatever, whatever they need. And yeah. that's where we start managing like a portfolio and where, yeah, like sign me up for whatever the other person asked for. Hey, just a quick interruption. In past episodes, you've heard guests give advice like the first step is just like actually measuring and monitoring, right? Which sounds very fundamental, but a lot of companies don't even do that, right? If you ask for like, hey, do you have a monthly kind of report of like what's happening in the funnel. It's like, oh, well, we have this over here and we have this over here and we have the traffic data and GA. So the first thing I think is like build out, you know, a presentation uh, that you're updating every single month. Or it's way easier if you have all this stuff being centralized somewhere and can look at it. And I promise that's completely unprompted. We try to book smart B2B leaders and learn how they're driving more predictable growth. And they end up sharing advice like that. And Databox makes it easy to do all of that and more. You can track your marketing, sales, revenue, and CS performance all in one place. It lets you build custom dashboards and view metrics from over 80 tools side by side. You can schedule PDF reports that automatically update your data in real time and send to your team or your clients. You can even set up custom Slack alerts that alert you when you hit your goals or when numbers spike or dip. If you want to try it totally free, just go to databox.com or click the link in the show notes. Okay, back to the episode. <laughs> we can do that. I can show you. It's doable now. Um, <laughs> got you. So, uh, yeah, um, makes sense. And so you've segmented your customers kind of by, I'm, I'm going to abbreviate here, but like, um, Mature-ish startups, and then like growth stage startups, and then enterprise, com- mature, more mature companies that are bigger. So small, medium, large for simple for simplicity. And so yep. you you and I know you have new word, you had different words like emerging. I can't remember the exact words you use, but that's the general idea. So then, what did you do to serve them mm-hmm. better, right? Because like it's niching isn't just a marketing function, right? It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a function that where you customize the way you handle the clients, the mm-hmm. services they might care about, all that stuff. So it sounds to me like you maybe took some next steps once you identified okay. those three main markets. We did, we did. And also in the way that we identified the markets and segmented the clients, it wasn't just quantitative, it was also qualitative. So 
we didn't just do it based off of the size of the business or their budget or their location, right? Um, because you can have a very large organization that is that has a very, very, very small, almost non-existent marketing team, and right. is digitally like very, like very, very early in their in their um, in their maturity. And so, and and a lot of the things that they need to, a lot of times, that's where people say like, hey, we're like a startup within a business. Like you hear about that. Okay, you belong on the growth team. (laughs) Anyways, I just want to clarify, because we try to understand like, what are the, what are the forces at play? What are the things that, that are impacting those, those personas? Um, And we looked at, well, how do we deliver, now that we understand, we understand like what is important to each of those segments. We, we then t- took out that lens and put it on the way that we deliver services and thought, okay, the way we deliver services right now, that's like our tried and true process that's evolved over 15 plus years. Does it meet the needs of the enterprise segment? Does it meet the needs of the growth segment expansion? And in some cases, yes, it made sense. In other cases, we're like, you know what? No, like this one process that we have does, is not in, a, in alignment with what this segment of business really needs. So we looked at those kinds of services. We also looked at the people. What, because the only difference, well, not the only difference, but the main difference between one agency and another are the people that work there because you're buying access to these people's talents, their skills, their time. Yep. So we looked at, well, what kind of strategist, what kind of technology expert, like what kind of person does this segment of the, the, our market tend to need? What, okay. you know, what kind of individual? And so in doing that, we created some really exciting career growth paths for people mm-hmm. who were maybe in a more junior role, working on an enterprise account, looking at that strategist role going, I don't want that job, right? <laughs> but, but actually, like they're really well equipped to be a strategist on our expansion team. Okay. And so just kind of cre- creating that for them. Um, yeah. And that has, that's, that's helped us in our sales process um, because our, you know, a lot, especially a lot of people who have hired agencies in the past, they're very nervous because they right. get sold by a founder or principal or partner of some kind and they're serviced by a very junior employee. And that has never been our model. Um, we've always yeah. like, focused on hiring seasoned um, marketing and sales professionals. But right. we've just had to like with increased competition, we've had to further differentiate ourselves in the market in that way. And so the segmentation allows us to do that, but it also allows us to make sure people are properly skilled. And an individual person, they can't be an expert in everything. Like that's asking way, way, way too much. Oh, right. Or we've grown yeah, as no, an organization. The, the approach you take with a startup and you're working probably with maybe the CEO still and maybe their new VP of marketing who has three or four years experience themselves, yeah. you you can be a little more casual. You can, yeah. you can brainstorm, you can suggest new things to them. But then when you're working with a company that's already doing $100 million in revenue mm-hmm. and still mostly getting their business from trade shows, you can't go and say, hey, let's do some TikTok videos, right? So like right. <laughs> that's a stupid example, but it, I get that it's very different working with a big company versus small or yeah. mature versus versus new. So yeah, it totally makes sense. And so and Ryan always talked about that. Like I remember from the early days, he 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 seemed to always find these marketers that that were really good, had 10, 15 years of experience already. Um, and he was able to recruit them onto the team as being a project or account manager, even though 
like they were used to working at like bigger budget companies. Like he was able to bring him in even early on at SmartBug. And that was so different than all the other HubSpot partners at the time who were largely hiring people with journalist degrees out of school and training them how to use HubSpot. Um, right. And they, you know, they were good mechanical marketers, maybe good writers, but not necessarily good at like understanding markets, understanding value props, doing positioning, building personas, like the more the strategy. And I know that SmartBug was just always good at that. And so now that you have that like segmented by um, the different needs of those different companies, I can see how that would both work for the client, but also give you give those team members a career path where they can mm -hmm. cut their teeth maybe on the emerging businesses, and, mm -hmm. you know, if they're a little earlier in their career and then if they want to move to working with some of the bigger, the bigger clients or whatever, but yeah, it makes sense. Yep. yep, exactly. And then you could also imagine the ripple effect this has on aligning our sales team to these segments and then mm -hmm. align, aligning our marketing team and our marketing efforts to the segments as well, because the content strategy for one segment has got to be different, you know, to another. And then you throw on like other macroeconomic factors and uh, in changes to technology and the introduction of generative AI and all these other things. And that that kind yeah. of, you know, you have to adjust your marketing strategy as well. But it's given yep. us just these kind of these swim lanes that we can kind of go in. Um, and then from a, a board reporting perspective, I mean, I can report on... I can have goals around like out of scope sales, like upsells by by um, by segment of our business, and so I can you know go into a board meeting and say, well, the majority of our out of scope sales are coming from expansion and enterprise. Shocker, right? Like no no surprise, but like let's not project we're gonna have the, right. like, whatever percent increase of out of scope sales in the, on the growth team when we know that that team this is they're giving us all their money like right. out of the right, like, right now. Right. So yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so now I got your three your three segments: growth, enterprise, or growth, emerging, and enterprise. Got it. Expansion, like growth, expansion. Oh, and, damn it! And they also it have cute. they also have names. They also have 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 names. So oh, like, like uh, persona names, like uh, yeah, like they're like team growth like Bloom, team Bloom, and then there's like team Supernova, which is expansion, oh, okay. and then team like like Bomb Squad is is, is enterprise. <laughs> Those are internal names, I presume. <laughs> we're just, there's, we're, because we're marketers and we like to name yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got you. It's good to have names. And then just to finish that segmentation, you also have like a Clavio team that's separate from that, right? We do. Uh, we yeah. do. We, okay. we do. We do have that, have that one Clavio team. And, and the plan is to, to segment that team um, okay. eventually. So it's just a, it's a much smaller part of our of our business right now. Um, and so, but as they're making some moves up market in creation of their their CDP um, and and what right. they're like, what they're looking to do with some of their integrations also like outside of e-commerce into like the health and wellness space. So there's, there's potential, yeah. there's more opportunity there. Now we've got the framework that we can apply yeah. Um, as we grow. And so whatever kind of comes next, um, we, yeah. we've got something we can put in place. That's funny. The other day I was doing, I was doing, um, putting together a survey, trying to, and I needed to create a list of um, like tools like segment, you know, where you can, customer data platforms kind of where you can mm -hmm. like pull all your data from places, store it, push it out to other systems, et cetera. Uh, and Clavio came up as one. I'm like, that's not a CDP. Uh, and, and it is like, they've been trying to reposition yeah. themselves. Yeah. As yeah. CDP. Yeah. 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 Or maybe not trying, but doing it. They're, yeah. They're getting there. Yeah. 
Um, cool. All right. So um, I want to dig into some of your numbers. Mm-hmm. Jen has uh, graciously uh, agreed to, to share some of their actual performance data, which so like a real peek behind the scenes. This is the third time I've done this with different agencies and I'm always very appreciative. I just did it yesterday with uh, Doug Davidoff from uh, Lyft Enablement and um, and he was really awesome because some of his charts were red and some were green. And he's like, yeah, like, I know that I know that I'm not performing great here, but I know that I'm really confident in the outcome we're getting, uh, as a result, as a result, even despite that. Right. And yeah, it's maybe as an area want to improve, but I, I love that my sales cycle is longer because I'm closing them at a higher rate and I'm doing it with less effort. So like, there's all these weird scenarios that happen when we start to compare the data. So I'm going to share some of the data. Um, before I do that, I'll explain what we're looking at here because we're on a podcast and nobody's going to necessarily see this. Um, so uh, we're looking at uh, benchmark group. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, benchmark groups are things that uh, something that Databox invented. It's a free product we offer. It's available at benchmarks.databox.com. And uh, as, a, as, I'm, as a user of the product, I'm dogfooding it like our partners use it. Uh, and I've created a group of 63 now. It was yesterday it was 62. Somebody else joined. 63 HubSpot, Platinum, Diamond, and Elite Partners. Now, Smartbug is an elite partner at the very top of the, of the food chain there. Um, but in this group, there's 63. I think there's like 600 or so HubSpot, Platinum, Diamond, Elite Partners. There's 6,000 or more HubSpot solution partners in general. So this group re- represents like 10% of the top 10%. Um, of, uh, of HubSpot partners. Uh, and, um, you're at the top for most of these metrics, you're in the top hundred or top 10% of this group, uh, so, uh, uh, which shouldn't be a surprise or isn't, I know isn't a surprise to you cause you've already looked at the data. Um, and so <laughs> going to run through some of these things. So like this, this group, what it does is it has a bunch of metrics from HubSpot marketing and HubSpot, uh, CRM. Uh, and when, uh, agency like Smartbug joins, they're able to see how do they compare to the group. And it produces these cool charts that are either red or green. Red, uh, red means that you're underperforming 50% of the, of the group. Green means you're overperforming at least 50% of the group. Uh, and I think all but three of these uh, charts are uh, a green. So I'm going to start at the bottom of the funnel. Um, your closed one amount um, here is well above the, the median. You're out last month, just last month alone, you outperformed 66% of the companies in the group in terms of close one amount, but you actually outperformed 90% of the companies in the group in terms of the number of deals you closed one. Uh, if I look back at the benchmark um, over the last um, five, six months, I can see that you outperformed the group, um, like the top quartile of the group several of those months. And so, you know, in an agency, I know your revenue in one month isn't indicative of necessarily your overall performance. And so looking at all of these numbers, like it's, very, uh, I'm very confident in saying you're in the top quartile of this group very consistently, um, meaning that you're closing more than 75% of the others in this group, as you might expect. Mm-hmm. Um, I also can see, and, and that syncs with your uh, Inc. 5000 uh, data and your head, head count as well. Yeah. So. Um, just, just to validate here that you guys, uh, know what you're doing from a sales perspective. I also see like the number of calls your sales team is having. How many people do you have on the, on the sales team? Um, there's six. Six. So they're working their butts off. They're 
outperforming 100% of the companies in the group, like, and way above the, the top quartile, which was 86 um, calls. Uh, and so yeah. they're having way more calls than the typical, um, the typical uh, uh, HubSpot partner is with six, six sales reps, I imagine you would. Um, so hopefully they don't slack off now that they've seen this chart or hear this podcast <laughs> and say, oh, Jen, we're working our asses off. Um, but, they have quotas yeah. to hit. <laughs> yeah, okay, as long as they're motivated there. I also see they're pretty efficient at closing here. So um, looks like you created about 124 deals last month, closed around, um, I think, 36. So somewhere around 30% close rate. Mm-hmm. I think you had mentioned earlier that you're, yeah. that's, that's what you see in your own data. And then they're closing them well below the median as well. The median um, of... Uh, in terms of how long it takes this group of companies uh, to close is 44 days uh, and 11 hours, 46 minutes and 26 seconds to be precise. Uh, and you are closing yours at thir- in 36 days. So like a full, uh, more than a week quicker than the typical typical partner here. Um, so those are your sales results. Yeah. Uh, as CEO, I'm sure you're never quite satisfied with your sales results, but, um, but those are uh, ones that most... Uh, <laughs> HubSpot Platinum and Above Partners would be salivating over. Uh, and then if I go up your funnel a little bit, I also see that your blog game is on point and your email marketing game is on point. So you're in, in terms of emails sent, you're sending a lot more emails, 91%, but your clicks are actually also outperforming 90% of the, of the companies in the group. So you must have a large database that you're selling into that you build up over time. Uh, and it's good engagement in terms of uh, them clicking and, and reading your content as well. Um, and then also uh, see that your landing pages are performing quite well. It looks like um, last month you got 512 submissions on your landing pages, so 512 conversions. I'm guessing that's a mixture of people raising their hand saying, I want to talk to sales, and also people downloading, say, an ebook or attending a webinar or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, lots of conversion points that keep your six sales team, six person sales team, probably pretty busy following up and mm-hmm. seeing if they can help further. Um, and so you're doing well there. And the re- one of the reasons why you probably get um, a lot of leads is that you have lots of offers. I can see that you have 400 and some landing pages live. Um, and then CTA clicks, call to action clicks are just under 600, which is outperforming 94% of the companies in the group. Uh, and probably the reason why your CTAs are high and all those leads are coming in is because you've published a lot of blog content. I can see here that... Yeah. Um, you've published 2.3 thousand blog posts um, in uh, in the lifetime of use of uh, of Smartbug here, um, which is outperforming 93% of the companies in the group. There's probably only one company maybe that's published more than you there. Um, and the just for for comparison's sake, the median um, number of blog posts published by um, the members of this group is 179. So you're like to 10 times, more than 10 times uh, the volume mm-hmm. you publish over time. It's a great advantage, obviously, that investment in content marketing. Mm-hmm. But I can also see you're keeping up um, your volume. You, you, mm-hmm. you um, published 27 new posts last month. Um, and if I look back at the previous months, I can see that you um, have kept that publication rate quite consistently, right between 25 mm-hmm. and 30 new posts a month. So um, so you're not slowing down there. You still believe in blogging, it seems. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's just a whole other, it's, it's, a, it's like 
It's now I have to worry about not just how do I make myself appetizing for Google, how do I make my, myself appetizing for ChatGPT, right? Uh, yeah. Or like all the different yeah. other ways that people are going to find us. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, we, as you know, we're big into content marketing, and we we get um, we've published published similar, if not more, content than you guys have in a shorter amount of time. We get somewhere around. Um, 250, 300,000 sessions a month to our website. Um, but it's been fairly plateaued for us. And I don't think that's a trend that's uncommon for a lot of content marketers. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we look at your sessions, um, we had talked about this beforehand, you are outperforming the group significantly. Um, last month, you had 44,000 sessions uh, to your on your website. And the group median is only 3.21 and the, the top quartile starts at uh, just under 7,000. So you're, you're doing uh, six times the amount of, of the top quartile, uh, uh, you know, yeah. uh, of the top quartile break. So um, outperforming there. Um, and so I think from an SEO perspective, you're, you're doing well, but um, we've experienced the same thing. And diversifying the channels is, is really important. Also the quality of the content. So to make sure mm-hmm. that it's matching both the searcher's intent and also who you want to attract and engage is really important. Um, and so I'm actually going to share the three red charts here. Um, yep. And then maybe we talk a little bit about what you're doing to try to, um, to, to improve these numbers and, and align it more to your strategy, uh, uh, your segmentation strategy that we talked about earlier. So, um, and, and I'll, cause you're being vulnerable. I'm going to be vulnerable too. Are the, the three, metrics that I'm about to share where you're underperforming the, the group are also three metrics that Databox underperforms. And I think this is actually just an element oh of like inbound <laughs> and content marketing yeah. in that if you produce a lot of content, you're going to get a lot of traffic, but those people aren't always going to be qualified leads for you. Yeah. It's just like yeah. an impossible conundrum. And so I'm just going to read out some of these things. So there's three metrics we use in these benchmark groups to measure the quality of website traffic. It's page views per session, average session length, and bounce rate. I think most uh, internet marketers would use those as, as judges of whether people are finding what they searched for uh, and then engaging further with that content and that company, right? If you get people coming to your website and looking at a lot of pages, that means that they found probably what they're looking at. If they stay long, that means they really read what you wrote. If they don't bounce and they click something else, that means that they found what they were looking for and they ended their their search process, right, for that piece of content. And so for you guys, you're in the bottom 14% in terms of page views per session at 1.13. Just for comparison, the median is 1.27. So it's actually a decent uh, difference, even though it's a relatively small number. Your average session likes at 32 second, which is 32 seconds, which is bottom 22 percent, um, and uh, the median is 49 seconds, so um, three fourths of where the median is. Uh, and then your bounce rates at 87 uh, percent, which is the bottom quartile uh, or the bottom 28 percent of uh, of the group. So, um, so. Earlier, we started a call and just like, I'm not ever happy with performance. And I think that's the curse of being a CEO uh, is that you, you're never happy with your performance. And this one area we talked about you were, you were working on. So you first, we talked earlier, you first did this segmentation exercise where you tried to understand your market. And now you seem to be kind of applying that to your marketing strategy. So maybe talk a little bit about that and then tactically how you think this will improve the engagement on your website. And yeah. ultimately the reason to improve the engagement is it's going to help you get more leads and more deals. So um, worthwhile exercise, but you, I, I think you're starting in the smart spot. So I'll let you talk about that now. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we, yeah, we did that segmentation based off of what we were experiencing that what our customers wanted, but, but also in like, you know, in addition to that, right, we had HubSpot's evolving They're, um, you know, they're now the, the main person individual who's coming in and potentially in buying HubSpot software is not the same type of individual that they were, you know, uh, a year ago, definitely not three or four years ago. Um, yep. and, and that's even, that's even grow, changing rapidly, like right, right now, right this second, right. Yeah. As HubSpot's expanding their platform. So yep. we've had to take some time now you have that happening. Then you've got a macro climate. Then you've got introduction of more technology, more AI, right. More of these types of solutions. Yeah. And we, we said, you know what, like, Day, our day to, the day-to-day of our buyer persona has fundamentally changed. And so mm -hmm. we have to make some changes in our marketing strategy and our messaging to align with what matters most to that individual. And so when I see some of those, um, some of those rates on kind of the, 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 pay, the, the time per, you know, per page, some of those, the sessions, yeah. the bounce rates, that's indicative to me that okay, yeah, they're not, people aren't finding what they're exactly looking for because it might be, well, this content's a little bit too shallow. They want something actually deeper. They want something like more technically rich that yep. is going to kind of meet their needs. Um, and so our team is pivoting from a more of a volume content play, which we definitely had in the early days right. to, all right, like more careful, carefully curated um, and aligned to very, very specific audiences. And also I've got a dedicated headcount who's responsible for um, building our services strategy that sits on top of our tier one partners product roadmaps. Okay. And he's a marketer. And so he's also running all of like kind of the product sort of service marketing sort of initiatives and collaborating with our VP That's of marketing. Paul. That's Paul. That's Paul yeah. Schmidt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's great. Yep. So All I think right. it's it's those are the things that we're doing that um, that should improve it. And like you said, I mean, we're we're there is oh we're we're not gonna I'm not gonna get rid of that kind of that volume playback that number of people like more audiences are great people grow with us people read a blog they'll read something they'll sign up to receive insights from us when they're very very earlier in their career and then three or four years later they're in a position of some kind of authority at a different company and they come back to us because they remember there's been multiple instances of that happening just this week um, alone and so it's it's we we have the scale on the bandwidth to be able to kind of meet meet both of those 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 needs but i am yep. looking at more niche focus um as we go into like the end of 2023 and, and through 2024. and does that mean like aligning the content to the segments we talked about the growth uh i'm gonna get it wrong yeah the growth expansion enterprise um not I think it's taking it another step further. So it's like okay. looking at hubs, right? So like I believe that somebody like in a, in a year or so, like the first time someone buys HubSpot will be they'll buy Service Hub. Okay. Um, and not have it be like an add-on to marketing or sales hub. So no. that's a whole different market. That's a whole different persona that we, we, have, we need to focus on. But, but also there's something to be said about certain industry verticals, certain industries. So okay. we we got started um, in the senior living space and baby boomers are getting older and requiring, you know, we'll be looking for more um, 
uh, you know, senior senior living um, options, like the, you know, support for as you know as they're as they're aging, and we yeah. understand that market really really well. So I've got our marketing team focused on running campaigns specifically for that market or specifically for the yeah. manufacturing vertical where we're seeing more digital transformation. Yeah, yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up. Um, uh, that you actually have a benchmark group for senior living communities so that you started with the Paul, Paul started, right? We have a bunch of benchmark groups because you've been a longtime um, uh, user of Databox. You have, I think, 100 plus clients that are using Databox. And the first thing we did was put together a uh, benchmark group just for your clients. And then we compared them to our sample of, I think, like 1,500 or so other HubSpot customers. Um, and then looked at the data and saw that, oh, wow, um, SmartBug clients' um, metrics and performance are better than the median of, of the uh, typical HubSpot user. And so yeah. obviously it's a good testament to the quality of your work, also a good testament of you picking the right clients and uh, that are willing to invest in all that stuff. So kudos to both you and your clients on, yeah. that, on that level of success. But um, yeah, I think you you're you're picking out areas where you're you have expertise right you have a 200 person company so you can't mm -hmm. say hey we're going to go into this niche but you certainly have the resources with your marketing and sales team to say hey we're going to pick some focus arees and we're going to create yeah. content around it we'll create a best market group around it maybe we'll put a salesperson on it or focused on it yep. um and and go to market that way right you you're in a similar situation that we are like we uh, we're even maybe even broader in that um, the whole value prop of our product is to pull data in from multiple tools, multiple functions in your organization. And like we build an integration with someone like HubSpot and that like makes it, oh, now we're in every industry, build an integration with something like Klaviyo and now we're in e-com. And so like we have this wide uh, mix of, of customers, which makes it hard to say, hey, this is our customer, right? In fact, yeah. the value prop of our product is that you don't, you, you, you can use it regardless of the company because we integrate with so many tools. So. I get the challenge that you have and it totally makes sense for you to focus some of your resources in areas where you know you can bring in, um, you know, clients that you know you can serve well. So that's mm -hmm. awesome. Cool. Um, all right. I have three rapid questions for you, uh, if I can remember them. Uh, Jeremiah, who usually is our host of this podcast, gave them and he's because he's been asking these of every guest. Um, all right. So the first one is. Uh, if you're on a desert island, but you're still responsible, you're stranded on a desert island, but you're still responsible for making sure SmartBug is successful, um, what are the three metrics that you're going to keep track of, you know, you know, in, in, a, in this miraculous way without bothering anyone to get access to them? Uh, um, I want to know um, new bookings. I want to know um, uh, churn or, yeah, I want to know if we lost any, any clients. Okay. Um, and I want to know how many, like volume of SQLs. Sales qualified leads. Okay. Got yeah. it. Nice. I like it. Cool. All right. Um, finish this sentence. It's a very short one. Um, data is blank. Essential. Essential. Um, <laughs> maybe expand on that a little bit. Did you like, want a long sentence? Here's some of the metrics you track, but maybe walk us through a little bit about like how you manage the business. It's a massive business to be yeah. managing. I don't envy um, the complexity of it either. Um, so walk me through like, how do you yeah. keep track of your performance? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's important that all in all parts of our business, we have forward-looking key performance indicators. We have those forward-looking KPIs um, that tell us like what direction we're headed. So, because as you grow, it it can be it, it can be harder to to feel it or see it. So, when you're a smaller organization, you win a big deal, you feel it really big. You lose it, you lose a deal, you lose a customer, right? You feel it really really hard. So, as right. you get to a certain scale where you've got hundreds of customers, um, you need to know: is this a big deal or not? So you start looking at things like what do we have any one um, uh, one of our segments that's driving the majority of our upsells or is it pretty diversified across? You know, what happens if one of those segments um, there's 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 the recession, a recession hits that segment hard. What will happen? We have, you know, how many different industries are we in? Are we all in one industry, all in one vertical? And what happens when we when when something like. COVID, you know, impacts that, yeah. that vertical, like how insulated right. are we? So we, we, we look at, we look at a lot of data for comparison purposes, um, mm-hmm. to see just, you know, how are we, how are we doing? Like how healthy is our organization? No different from like an investment portfolio and thinking right. about, okay, well, how much do you have in assets and you're checking in your savings and your in, in long-term investment and short-term yeah, uh, very similar approach. Yeah, yeah, stocks in certain industries. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I won't, I won't tell you where most of my portfolio was over the last two years, but I'll tell you it's down pretty, pretty roughly. Uh, my personal stock picks, I should say, yeah. not my whole portfolio. Uh, but yeah, and actually, you mentioned before we started, I think like you did have a decent concentration in the SaaS companies, right? And mm-hmm. everybody knows it's not a secret that. Um, investment dried up for SaaS companies, and so all those companies that were spending like crazy on marketing and like just not too worried about the short term because they had 20, 30 million dollars in the bank, yep. um, had, to, had to figure out how do we stop burning and how do we start, um, you know, really focusing our efforts so that getting back to getting, have a path at least to profitability before they run out of cash. And so um, that was a tough lesson, I think, for a lot of people and agencies where there's, they had a focus, but you guys just shifted. It sounds like you like, yeah, maybe some of those clients pull back a little bit, but you just shifted, right? Because you had yeah. other markets you're focused on. We shifted, but also like our, our my board, our investors, they wanted to know early on, they wanted to understand mm-hmm. our industry breakdown. And we never really, we were, we were kind of like, okay, sure, I guess. I mean, we never really paid attention to it. Like, what does it matter? Um, and then when something like a recession, like when something like this happens, you're really glad you have that data. Exactly. Yeah, as you might imagine, we track a lot of things at Databox on our own business. And uh mm-hmm. When, you know, when we, when we have crises, we can make quick decisions pretty quickly because we have a really good handle on, mm-hmm. on what's, you know, where, what's working, what's not, as well as like where we, where we can cut. We actually have had multiple crises. One of them is we were a Silicon Valley bank customer. And for, yeah. for like a weekend, I thought I was going to be shutting the business down because I didn't have access to our capital. So like, all these crazy things that have happened uh, over the last yeah. few years. It feels like it's one crisis after another. That's, you know, uh, something we don't have full control over or even no. any control over. Um, and so it's important to be able to understand your business and see where can yeah. you adapt. Yeah. Cool. All right. So data is essential. And then the last one is like, what's one tip? If you only give one tip, like your best tip for a, company, a B2B company that wants to uh, improve, improve performance. Um. 
I, I think it's it's highly scrutinize your effort, like what you're doing, like make mm-hmm. like have there be just, you know, no sacred cows. Right. Um, and just question everything, because whatever you did that brought you got you here is pr- may not be the thing that's going to get you to that next level. And I think that's, you know, overstated, you know, quite a bit. But it's very, very true. And you've got to yeah. be prepared to delete and say goodbye to things. Um, and not and not like hold on, um, not have like emotional attachment to some of your efforts if they're just not working yes. for you anymore. Yeah, good good advice. There's some wisdom there for sure. It's tough. It's tough to it's tough to let go of the things that you you're passionate about for sure. Uh, uh, yep. Especially especially when there's all, when there's usually progress, but maybe it isn't the uh, the progress that you need right now, right? So, yeah, good advice. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jen. Anything you want to add before we before we jump? No, no, I, I appreciate the, the conversation and um, and I think these types of insights are really, really important. And, you know, as a, as a marketer, you know, where my, my career kind of got started, I would have loved to have access to this kind of benchmarking data. Um, it would have it would have really been really helpful for me, especially in executive conversations, board meetings. So I'm just I'm just thrilled that we have access to this. Cool. Yeah, well, we're glad to be partnered with you. It's like benchmarks don't work unless people participate. And so we need partners like yep. you that are helping us to build the database of companies that are yep. willing to participate. It's 100% anonymous unless you decide to get on a podcast with me and share it, right? So if anyone wants to join it at benchmarks.databox.com, your, your data is uh, secure and anonymous. So thank you, Jen. Uh, appreciate the time. Appreciate our, your partnership. Absolutely. Good to see you. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.